In the name of our one God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Flannery O'Connor, in speaking of her faith that imbued her writing and defending the often grotesque and outlandish character of her stories, wrote these words, My audience are the people who think God is dead. To the heart of hearing, you shout, and for the almost blind, you draw large and startling figures. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that's funny, Uh, and I think it's rather insightful as well. Uh, To the heart of hearing, you shout, and for the almost blind, you draw large and startling figures. And while Flannery O'Connor often wrote outlandish stories, as we Here from the gospel this morning, we see that Jesus often had outlandish experiences, and we encounter one of those today, drawn large with startling figures for you and me. And as we do so, I invite you along with me to reflect on three things this morning. One, um, do we have a need for God? Uh, Two, if so, how do we approach him? And then finally, uh, is there um, for you and me available deep peace, uh, deep joy, deep security? Do we have a need for God? How um, do we approach him if we do? Uh, Is there deep peace and deep security um, for you and for me in relationship with him? And in response to that first question, do we have a need for God, both Simon and the woman of the street seem to be in agreement that the answer to that question is yes. But as we begin to reflect on this, as we begin to unpack this, we'll see that the way they approach it uh, is startlingly different. Uh, They both recognize the need. And to begin with Simon, uh, we see that Simon invites uh, Jesus to his house for dinner. And um, for a Pharisee, that's a big deal. Uh, And that in and of itself um, is a startling thing. If if you remember, as you read through the Gospels, uh, there are only um, two... Uh, Pharisees that seem to approach Jesus with with interest. One, of course, is Nicodemus, uh, and the other we see here is Simon, who invites Jesus for dinner. And for you and for me, that may not necessarily seem to be such a big deal, but for a Pharisee to share dinner with someone would be to share fellowship with them. And and that was was a huge deal, uh, and something that they were very thoughtful about, something that they were very protective of. And we see that Simon invites Jesus for dinner because he wants to find out more. Uh, There has been something in the teaching of Jesus that has captured him and intrigued him. Something about the actions uh, of Jesus and the miraculous things which he had done, which likewise um, interested Simon. And Simon uh, invites Jesus to dinner. Uh, But then we see that as he invites Jesus to dinner, uh, basically what Simon wants to do is to be the interviewer. Uh, He wants to interview um, Jesus. He wants to go through his CV and sort of see um, what he thinks about Jesus. And interestingly, Simon, in this respect, is a very modern man. uh, And in this respect, he's a very modern woman. uh, And that he is um, seeking um, answers uh, from Jesus. He wants to pick and choose. Uh, He wants to hear what Jesus has to say. And, you know, I'll try you out uh, and and I'll think about you. It's what's so often described today as spiritual. Uh, 
um, I, I'll, I'll try it out and I'll, I'll give it a listen. Uh, and I'll take a little bit from here and I'll take a little bit um, from here because uh, at the end the desire is, is to patch together uh, a righteousness of our own, uh, to patch together a spirituality of our own. And what we see, uh, basically what Simon wants is this. He wants to listen to the teaching of Jesus, but he doesn't want Jesus. Uh, and uh, if you're at all familiar with the Gospels, uh, this uh, detachment uh, from Jesus is not one of the options which Jesus makes available. And, um, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll say, and this is, uh, I realize this is, y'all are kind of welcome to tune out because, um, you know, I've been at the Advent for a while. I have, I've met very few um, controlling and emotionally detached people. So just, you know, for the most part, most of you can ignore uh, what I'm about to say. But what we see in the approach of Simon is he wants to stay in control. Uh, he wants to be the one um, who is in charge. And, and quite frankly, in many ways, that is, uh, that is the heart of idolatry that we're all prone to. He wants to, he wants to be in charge. Uh, he wants to be um, God. He wants to sift Jesus. He wants to evaluate Jesus. He wants to pick and choose um, what he likes. And as I say, patch that together uh, to form um, his own righteousness. He, he's, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I remember one of my favorite lines. Um, Paula is good for a lot of lines, and she loves me sharing them um, from the pulpit. Um, but I remember the first time we went to the Advent House for prayer, uh, it was uh, Peter and Janice Newton um, were there at that time, and they were giving us the whole preface to sort of how this all worked. And uh, Janice said, well, or Janice or Peter, one of them said, well, we just want to know is, uh, as we're praying for you, if we feel led, um, if we feel so moved to lay hands on you as we pray for you, is that okay? And Paula said, maybe. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, we'll see. We'll see if this is good. We'll see if this was freaky. Um, and we decided it was good. Um, so it's like, all right, go ahead, go for it. That's, uh, we're, we're, we're all in. But at first, uh, it's that natural tendency to say, you know what, um, we, we will see. Um, we'll see uh, about this. Uh, and in response, uh, of course, it's, a, it's such a, a vivid encounter because we hear that as they are at table, and this was not uncommon in that day, uh, they would eat uh, around a U-shaped table and they would recline a table. They would recline uh, on their left and they would eat um, with their right. And of course, reclining their feet would be up. Uh, I don't know about you, but as I hear that, I just think that would kill my back. Um, that just sounds awful, but you know... Thanks be to God, uh, I'm not in biblical times, but we see that as they're reclined at table, uh, a woman comes in and we're told uh, rather uh, politely and rather antiseptically that she is a woman of the city. And, and what, what we're told is that she's a prostitute. Uh, she's, she is a woman of the city, uh, and this prostitute comes into this very religious, this very moral gathering. And as I say, the, they, when a respected teacher or someone significant came into town, uh, they would often eat out in the open, and people could come, and they could gather around the table, and they could listen to the teaching and to the conversation and the interaction which took place. Uh, and she is noticed uh, when her tears begin to fall upon Jesus' feet. Uh, and she is uh, moved. She is moved to the point that uh, the, the veil uh, is drawn aside uh, and the tears uh, don't just begin to come uh, a little. Uh, they were clearly flowing um, profusely as they began to fall upon Jesus' feet. 
And as her tears began to fall upon Jesus' feet, she does something that would have been scandalous in that day, and she lets down her hair. Uh, And that doesn't seem like such a big deal to you um, and to me. But in that time uh, and in that place, uh, that was, uh, if you're married, would be grounds for divorce if your wife let down her hair um, in public. Uh, She does something which is tremendously, not only is it awkward and uncomfortable as her tears begin to fall upon Jesus' feet, but then she lets down her hair and begins to wipe his feet with her tears. Uh, And after she wipes his feet with her tears, she has uh, a jar, uh, an alabaster jar of perfume, of ointment, likely um, the most valuable thing that she owns. And she begins to anoint uh, Jesus' feet um, with that. And we hear that Simon uh, is scandalized by what is going on. And, you know, in fairness to Simon, um, talk about a a very uh, emotionally vulnerable moment uh, and talking about something um, that would be tremendously awkward. And I don't know about you, but I like to think I'm not uh, such a button-down person. And then people clap in church, um, you know, and I kind of twitch a little bit. And I find out, you know, I'm a little more stuffed shirt and a little more rigid uh, than I like to think that I am. And yeah, I'm just kidding. You can go ahead right now. Um, no, uh, that's right. Um, so we see that uh, that we see that Simon uh, he's he's uncomfortable um, by this outlandish display of emotion as this woman comes to Jesus. But while we see um, that their approach to Jesus, uh, while they're both are seekers and they're similar in that way, the way that they approach God um, is dramatically different. Simon hanging back and trying to stay detached and in control and evaluating God and trying God out, uh, and this person. Um, deeply moved and coming uh, with vulnerability. I came across recently a wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves, uh, and it's one which you may be familiar with, and Lewis writes these words, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love um, is to be vulnerable. In response to their... Uh, two responses uh, to his coming, Jesus um, tells a parable. And as he tells the parable, he begins by saying to Simon, Simon, listen, I have something I want to tell you. And and when Jesus says that, um, we know something big is coming. Uh, And something that will be um, challenging theologically and intellectually. And of course, he tells the parable of two debtors, one with a debt of 50 denarii, one with a debt of 500. Uh, Sort of approximately one had the debt uh, of a month's salary, one had the debt of a year's salary. Well, here's the thing, in that time uh, and in that place, if you couldn't pay your debt, uh, you were sent to debtor's prison. 
Uh, you, were, uh, you were locked up. Uh, you were thrown away. You were um, hopeless because um, debtor's prison works really well. Um, you know, that people are going to be able to make the money to pay you back if you send them to prison. But that's, that's what they did. That's what was, that's what was done. And as uh, Jesus tells this parable, there is the temptation to think, okay, I, I, I get it. Uh, this woman, uh, her sins were so great that her debt was 500 Simon uh, was, was bad but better, um, and his debt was, was 50, um, but that's, that's to miss the point, uh, and that is to miss the mark, because here is the point of the story. Uh, both were debtors with the inability to pay. And that is the punchline for you and for me as well, because we all have that tendency um, to want to be selective Pharisees. We all want to do either one of two things, either behavior modification where we try to make ourselves better um, through our moral efforts and by trying a little harder or we try to, or, or we try to cover it up. Uh, or, you know, most of us do a little bit of both. Um, we try to do uh, a little bit of both, and we find ourselves, um, as a result, uh, missing that deep peace, missing that deep joy, missing that deep security that's available to you and to me when we come to Jesus, recognizing we have nothing to offer to that equation but our need. Years ago, Ravi Zachariah said, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad people good, um, but to make dead people alive. Uh, and we see Jesus coming forth to give life, to give joy, to give um, deep peace. Uh, but it comes uh, as we come to him in recognition of our need and the recognition of the sufficiency uh, of his cross and his resurrection for you and for me rather um, than our moral efforts. Because you know who loves um, our moral efforts more than anyone else? Satan. He's the one who loves our moral efforts more um, than anyone else. What do, what do I mean by that? Why um, do I say that? Because uh, then we try to become the agent of change and deliverance um, in our lives. And when we try to become the agent of change and deliverance in our lives, inevitably, even if we could do well briefly, we're going to fail uh, and we're going to fall short. Uh, and then we're going to blame uh, or we're going to fall um, into despair. But either way, um, we end up stuck. Or we deceive ourselves and we, uh, we become self-righteous. Basically, we become speck seekers, uh, looking at the speck um, in the eyes of others and ignoring the plank um, in our own. Uh, but Jesus uh, gives us a wonderful opportunity. And so where is that deep peace where is that deep joy? Where is that deep security um, for you and for me? It's in repentance. And you think, great, Craig, that's really uplifting. Um, thank you very much. Um, I, I feel better um, already. But uh, here's, where we, here's where we miss the mark. What, what repentance means is to, is to quit hiding. Uh, what repentance means is, is to quit pretending. Uh, and doesn't that sound freeing? Um, doesn't that sound um, fantastic to quit hiding and to quit um, pretending uh, and to quit trying to do it on our own and failing and failing and failing uh, and in turn um, turning to Jesus? And in turning to Jesus as we turn and as we bring these things to him, uh, he doesn't say, I had no idea uh, until you told me. Um, no, uh, he's, he's well aware uh, of these things um, that are uh, gripping and driving and controlling our lives. He's, he's well aware of whatever it is our alabaster jars are. 
um, the things that we're clutching onto idolatrously, and you know what I mean. Um, idolatrously. Yeah, there it there. You know what I mean. Um, that was. Uh, I'm not going to strike out three times. Uh, we're clutching these things, thinking um, that they can bring us those things that we need and that we long for. Uh, and so the parable uh, and the encounter uh, ends in some ways uh, open-ended as it began. We do see uh, that, that Simon um, the Pharisee is rebuked uh, and that the woman uh, who comes to Jesus uh, is given those amazing words, uh, your sins are forgiven. Uh, go uh, in peace. My question to you, uh, my question um, to myself, my encouragement to you, and the encouragement to myself as well, uh, is that opportunity um, to preach the gospel to ourselves again and again, to hear it uh, again and again, because again and again we're going to try to fall back into the role of Simon um, and to evaluate Jesus or to try to patch it together on our own and say, you know what, I need a little bit of Jesus, um, but I need Jesus on my terms. Uh, but there's this wonderful invitation to you and to me to see um, that we are just like the woman of the street. Uh, we are just like David uh, in the portion that we read at first. We have um, no standing of our own. Uh, and yet, uh, as we turn to God, we find that he is gracious. We find that he is merciful um, in Jesus. We find that in that repentance, uh, we find that deep peace that we long for, uh, that deep forgiveness, that deep security, that deep joy, knowing we are loved and that we are accepted not um, on our merits or our accomplishments or what we can do on our own, uh, but in turning to him, uh, who as we turn to him, greets us forgives us, restores us, says those words, your sins um, are forgiven. You are restored. You are reconciled. Uh, go in peace. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know the many ways in which we, um, in which we hide, uh, in which we desire to patch ourselves up, draw our hearts and our minds, our lives, our spirits to you, most gracious God, in repentance, and that in being drawn to you, we might find the amazing mercy uh, and love and deep peace and deep joy which are accomplished and made available to us uh, through Jesus, your Son, and his cross and his resurrection. Draw our hearts, uh, our minds, our lives to you, Lord, uh, that we might be full in the way in which we can be full in you alone. And this we ask in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.